Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Philly is a tough city. Uh, you know, they're going to tell you why it is, and you know, I love it. Philadelphia because they care. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shield Kapadia here with Raheem Palmer. The Sixers have started their offseason already, firing Doc Rivers after the disastrous Game 7 performance against the Celtics. We're going to talk about her. Raheem, I just have a very simple question. What you know, we'll, we'll get into the candidates and all that, but is this the right move? When you heard the news, were you thinking, all right, that had to be done, or were you thinking, hold on, what are they doing here? I mean, it's definitely the right move. I mean, I've never been a fan of Glenn Rivers from Jump Street. And, you know, I think he's, I mean, he is what he is. Glenn Rivers is a competent head coach who he underachieves with top-notch talent and he overachieves when the deck is stacked against him. That's what he is. And you kind of knew when, you know, when the Sixers hired him back in 2020, 2021, he, it was tough to just say that this guy was going to lead us to the promised land. And, I mean, we saw us lose in that first year to the Atlanta Hawks. We 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 lost a seven-game series at home. And we all know how difficult it is to go on the road and win a game seven. And we lost a game seven against the Hawks team, which really wasn't that good. And then you come back the following year, and obviously you have the issues with Ben, and you don't really have a stacked roster you know, going up against the Miami Heat. And Joel Embiid is banged up. And, but this year, you know, to have that 3-2 lead and you're at home on your own home court and you get outscored 14-3 to the last five minutes of the game when you could have stole that series, I mean, and the MVP doesn't touch the ball? I mean, it says everything about your coaching. So he had to go. 
All right. I'm going to agree with that, but I'm going to say these two things can both be true. Number one, I agree with you. Firing Doc had to be done. You lose a series like that. He's had three years. You haven't gotten out of the second round. Absolutely. It's time. Move on. But this is also true, Raheem. You are an absolute sucker if you think this is going to make a big difference, okay? I mean, how many coaches, how many GMs, how many role players are they going to go through where we're going to say that's the problem, that's the problem, that's the problem? I mean, this is going to be Joel Embiid's third coach. This is the Sixers' third coach in five years. They've had four GMs in seven seasons. They lost in the second round again. They have no, no stability in this organization, okay? They've had six full seasons now with Joel freaking Embiid, and they have gotten no further than Doug Collins and Andre Gudala and Evan Turner. I mean, think about that from an organizational perspective. That That is a disaster. And I, I would ask you this. I would say, how many coaches, you know, you use the word underachieved, and overall, I would agree with that. Absolutely. But when you look at this year in particular, I mean, they were big underdogs, right, in this series uh, against the Celtics. Like, I'm looking around the league trying to go through the landscape. How many coaches would I say, if they had Coach X, I think they would have beat the Celtics. Like, we could probably name five, maybe. I don't think we could get to, like, 12 or 15. I mean, to me, it's just, it's, it's a stars league. And Joel Embiid goes five for 18 with 15 points and four, four turnovers in game seven. Joel Embiid and James Harden combined to go eight for 29 in game seven. Show me the coach who he would have come in and Joel Embiid would have had 35 and 15. I mean, I just don't think that exists. So I'm with the move. I think the move is on point, but at the same time, I'm not getting, you know, suckered in where we'll go through the names you oh frank vogel's here now i feel great get get out of here i'm not gonna feel great about next season with any of these guys what do you think about all that sorry i got fired up i, ag- I agree with you 100 <laughs> percent. you know when i look at this this the sixers team i mean you look at the fact that james harden through games five through seven he had zero points in the fourth quarter oh zero points you're the guy with the ball in your hand all the time you have zero points in games five through seven in the fourth quarter like, to me, like, I mean, I agree with you. You said this is a star-driven league. Our stars did not show up yes. when it mattered. They didn't show up in Game 7. They didn't show up at the end of Game 6. And that's what it is. And I think both of these things are tr- true. Doc is not the head coach who's going to elevate us. But at the end of the day, our, our stars have shown time and time again, Joel Embiid and James Harden, that they're not going to elevate us. And it's unfortunate because, you know, Doc is an easy scapegoat. But it's, it's pretty clear that when you look at the other side of the, the court, game seven, when you have Jason Tatum putting up 51 points on seven for 28 shooting, and you got Jalen Brown putting up 25 points. And when you look at our stars and you have James Harden putting up nine points on three of 11 shooting, he's not even looking at the basket at certain times. I mean, he's looking to dish to P.J. Tucker. He's looking to dish to Tobias Harris. And you have Joel Embiid, 15 points on five for 18 shooting. There's not a single coach in this league who can win that way. So I think our stars have to look in the mirror and do something. But I do think the, the move to get rid of Doc was the right one. You said it. I mean, that was you said it. Game six, you score three points in what the final six minutes of the game. Game seven, Tatum has 51, and your stars win eight for 29. Like, 
that's the difference. Like Joe Mazzula, I mean, what was it after Game Four? Joe Mazzula was making fun of Joe Mazzula. What did Joe Mazzula turn into a great coach in like a week there? No. Did Jason Tatum come out and put the team on his back in Game Seven? Yes. I mean, that that's the way the NBA works. I don't know how many more seasons we can have of it. All right, let, let's look at the candidates. So uh, Woj from ESPN, who broke the news of the firing, also put some names out there. Let me read you the names. And first, let's go negative first. I think we're both in a little negative mood. So let's say after I read out Mm. these names, I want to know the guys you do not want that you are saying, oh my God, if they hire one, two or three, I am out. I am not feeling the Sixers team next season. So here are the names. Mike Budenholzer, Sam Cassell, Mike D'Antoni, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, and Monty Williams. Who are the names or name on that list where you're just like, please do not let it be this guy? I'm not the biggest Monty Williams fan. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think Mike, Monty Williams is a good players coach, but I think we're going to have the same problem with adjustments that we had under Doc Rivers. So I'm not really the biggest fan of him. I think the jury is still out on Nick Nurse. I think Nick Nurse, you know, obviously he had that talented Toronto Raptors team. And I think the one thing about Nick Nurse is he throws those junk defenses out there. Um, and I think people tend to tend to think that he's a great coach because of that. And But, I mean, I watched the way he rode his stars in the Toronto Raptors. I mean, you, you had, like, all of those guys playing big minutes. And I'm not sure this is the team to have a Nick Nurse, you know, Thibs-like philosophy where you're not going to go to your bench. So I'm concerned about that with, you know, the injuries that Joel Embiid gets and, you know, James Harden aging. So those two are at the top of my list. I mean... Mike D'Antoni, I think the one thing with D'Antoni is that he has a good relationship with James Harden. And that might go a long way. Um, Sometimes relationships are everything. But I don't know how much he's going to be able to elevate this team and, you know, find a balance between what Harden wants and what Embiid wants. So it's really tough for me, honestly. Here's my problem, because you were just going over some good like. I think the big question is, what do you want from the next Sixers head coach? Because you mentioned a couple things. I think one is somebody who can adjust and that they're getting all the praise for, like you mentioned, the defensive wrinkles. And oh my gosh, they came up with this creative game plan in the playoffs. And even though they were undermanned, they won the game. We all want that. There's no doubt about it. The other thing you mentioned makes me a little nervous. I'll be honest, Raheem. I mean, if you're hiring a coach for James Harden, when we just watched James Harden and we've watched a career of James Harden in big spots and James Harden's going to be 34 years old, I mean, is that the right? Are you are you gonna hire a coach to get the most out of him? Is that the right move here? I'm a little skeptical of that. I don't know if that's uh, if that's the right move or not. But I, I would agree with you that like early signs and you read the reporting are kind of leaning in that direction. Like that would be sort of Daryl Morey's ideal situation: bring Harden back, bring a, put a coach in there. Raheem, we talked about during the season. The Sixers were what third in offensive rating according to cl- cleaning the glass. Dot com. I mean, this was their best offense of the Embiid era. They they won more games than they have since the Iverson team in 2000, 2001. They won fifty four games. Like it is, it's a higher it's a higher bar to clear. I mean, you want someone who can win in the playoffs, but at the same time, you can't throw away that other stuff because that puts you in in good position uh, to be there in the playoffs. So I think that's the question we're gonna know based on who they hire. All right, what was their priority? What were they looking to do? All right, the other names on that list. 
Raheem. So, so we know uh, you weren't thrilled with a couple of a Monty Williams. Nick Nurse also wears that that NN hat. The man has his own logo. I don't need my NBA coach having like their own logo. That that's gonna scare me off a little <laughs> bit uh, in the interview process. But maybe that's just me. Any of those other names names where you say, all right, I can kind of talk myself uh, into this being the guy to get the Sixers over the hump. So I think Mike Budenholzer is like. I mean, I think he's a great coach. Really? Um, I'm not going to okay. lie to you. I, I do. I just think he's had issues in the postseason making adjustments. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, during this, this postseason, he was sleep at the wheel. Obviously, he had a, you know, a personal tragedy. And yeah. I wonder if that had, you know, had some impact on his coaching. Um, I'm a big fan of Frank Vogel, so I think he could work. But, of course, if you're talking about bringing back Harden, does it, you know, does that mesh with his style? Um so I think that's that's the tough thing. And I'm honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of, of bringing back Harden, but I think the Sixers are in, are in a tough position because if you don't bring back Harden, you kind of lose the asset for nothing. And then what do you have here? But so. let me ask you about that because I've heard this before from you smart NBA people. So uh, it's always like you want to keep the player for the asset. And even if it doesn't work out, you can move him. But with what Harden's going to be making, like, explain that to me. Is Harden, like, a year from now or even during next season, let's say it gets near the trade deadline, it's not working out, the money he's going to be making at 34 years old, you're telling me that would still be valuable to other teams where you could still get players back uh, for James Harden? And, uh, you know, do you, do you think that's legit or is that a little overblown? I think, I mean... When I look at Harden at this point in his career, I'm not sure how much you're going to be able to get back for him. Right. Um, if you're if you're paying him the max, I think the issue is you can't replace him. Yeah. So if you can't replace somebody and you're capped out, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, we still got Tobias Harris on the payroll. Obviously, it's probably ex- expiring, so you would have to move him in order to improve. But so I think that's the issue: is how do you replace this guy? You know, it, I mean, if you it'd be one thing if he's leaving and then you're under the cap and you could just kind of just sign somebody new, but it's, it's a different situation. So I think that's what makes it tough. They don't have any great answers, do they? I mean, you, you're looking at it. Budenholzer, you like him a lot. Five seasons with the Bucks, won a title, got to a conference finals. Other three years were disappointment. Sam Cassell, has been on the bench, has been a longtime assistant, but has never been uh, a head coach. Are you going to bring him into this environment? Mike D'Antoni, uh, again, I'm like he's got the James Harden connection. Is Mike D'Antoni going to be the best guy for Joel Embiid in his prime and the way Embiid wants to play? I mean, I'm not sold on that. Uh, Nick Nurse, you mentioned. I mentioned the hat, the logo. All right, maybe, maybe he'll still be a good coach. Uh, Frank Vogel would not be like the most exciting candidate, but has been a good coach. Uh in the in the NBA with the Pacers, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. I think the NBA needs some new blood when it comes to coaching. I agree. I, mean, I saw this why, list. Why, and I go, why this are we the playing list? musical chairs? Seriously, why are we playing musical Thank chairs you. with all of these guys? Like, I mean, I wouldn't be mad to see Sam Cassell, you know, get a shot. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure of what he's capable of doing, but I just want to see some new blood. I mean, all of these guys have coached before. We know what they can do. We know their their flaws. So to me, it's just like. Like, you look at the NFL. You're an NFL guy. Yeah. And somebody mentioned this to me on Twitter. But bringing in new up-and-coming head coaches has worked wonders for the NFL. You look at a guy like Sean McVay. What has he done for the NFL? I think you got to have new blood. You can't just have the same guys coaching over and over and over again. 
I'm kind of with you. It feels like don't be risk averse here. I mean, it's musical chairs is the perfect word. Like you talk to the fan bases of any of these coaches that I just mentioned, like they don't want that guy. And now you're just, okay, this guy's going to go here. This guy's going to go here. Like where is that going to get you? So I'm with you. I I know there's this thought that they need an established guy because the windows now, listen, sometimes the Lakers, Darvin Ham, right? Sometimes you take a swing. And look what happens. It, it worked out uh, pretty look well. Look at the Golden State Warriors, for instance. Yeah. I mean, Steve Kerr had never coached a team. Now, granted, he worked in the front office. Yeah. But they brought in Steve Kerr. And, you know, he remembers some of his philosophies from playing with the Chicago Bulls, playing with the San Antonio Spurs. And he brought in a brand-new motion offense for the Golden State Warriors, who, under Mark Jackson, I mean, Mark Jackson, he brought the defensive philosophy for the Golden State Warriors, but Steve Kerr said, look, we're not going to just play iso ball. We're not going to have isolation post-ups with Harrison Barnes. Yeah. We're going to put Steph Curry off the ball. We're going to put Andre Iguodala on the bench. We're going to start Draymond Green, and we're going to use Steph Curry's gravity as a shooter to our advantage. And you saw that the Golden State Warriors, in that first year that Steve Kerr took over, they went from 13th in offense to first in offense. So sometimes having new blood is a good thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, those are the big questions with the Sixers right now. Remember, you can catch the Ringers Philly special on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on audio, we will be back with more after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. All right, we're back on the Ringer's Philly special. For those of you who don't know, you could you could watch that first segment on FanDuel TV or on Spotify. It's like a, a video podcast. We're doing uh, more of those lately, so definitely check that out. We're going to continue with the podcast. We have to bring in the ace producer, Cliff Augustine. Raheem, I got I got to tell you a little story. Yesterday, uh, you know, we're Cliff's our producer for our NFL show on the Ringer NFL show. I signed on. I've never seen Cliff like this, man. Cliff, Cliff was distraught, and I, I know Cliff well enough at this point to know it wasn't just what was happening with the Sixers. 
It was the discourse. It was some of the takes he was hearing. But I didn't ask him. I, I didn't want to ask him, like, what is it specifically? So I wanted to save that for our podcast audience. So let's keep talking Sixers here. Cliff, what are you annoyed with? I feel like that, that's a very Man. simple way for me to put this right now. I'm so <laughs> Tell annoyed. Tell him why you mad, son. <laughs> I, got, I got you. I got you. Bro, I'm so annoyed with the, with the toxicity of what everybody is saying that Joel Embiid isn't capable of being a championship caliber player on a championship caliber team. I fully agree that, listen, he's had his shortcomings. He's been bad in, you know, closeout games. He's had issues with health going into the postseason. But at the end of the day, you have a top five player in the NBA. Like, you don't have that often. How often have has the Sixers had a top five player in the NBA? Three, four times? What, Doc, AI, Embiid, and, and uh, Chuck? And Moses, yeah, and Moses, sorry. So about five times. So it's like, my issue is, is people are like, well, let's trade away and be, let's get some assets. Now I'm like, what What do y'all want to do? Do y'all want to win now and possibly have the, the, the way to win now? Or do you want to end up like OKC where you let it ride out with Westbrook and then retool? Now you got a bunch of dudes that are like 19 and 20 years old, hoping that one day that they'll win a championship. Like you're, you're, you're far, but you're not that far off to where if you somehow – Add a guard forward that you can rely on that is not James Harden, because I'm I'm cool off James Harden completely. I'm I'm done off James Harden. Shill, you tried to give me the light. You tried to show me the light early. I was suckered in. I was yelling Uno the whole way to ser- <laughs> at the season was closing out, and then like he just disappointed me. The whole he he disappointed the whole entire city with his play. I literally watched a thread on Twitter of him passing up open shots and layups because he was scared to get a shot blocked and he wasn't going up strong the way he used to, the way he used to get fouled. And now it's like when he goes up to the basket, it's not even like he's trying to get he's trying to get fouled, but you're you're missing your way of going up strong and that's the way you actually get fouled. Like it's weird. He passes out in weird situations. He clearly doesn't know how to play in a game seven. He's thirty four years old. I'm I'm cool off James Harden. I'm cool off Mike D'Antoni. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that in the Sixers sideline. If I see Mike D'Antoni or Monty, I'm I'm done. If I see Mike D'Antoni and Monty, I'm done. I promise you. We like y'all said. We need new blood for the coaching staff. I like Sam Cassell. Give him a shot. See what he got. Players clearly respond to him when they was out training in L.A. Who was out there with Tyrese Maxey and James Harden? Was it Sam Cassell, right? Sam Cassell, it's just new blood. Like, I'm tired of the Dan Tonys of the world. I'm tired of the Frank Vogels of the world. I'm tired of just these guys. We hear these names all the time. Whenever a coaching hire happens, I'm just like, no, we don't need this anymore. Let's go new. Let's go younger. Let's go with some new concepts, some new ideas. This is not 2008 when the NBA, where you could just play iso ball and then hope you can win the game. This is not Kobe Bryant in his prime anymore. Like, that doesn't work anymore. Let's go with some some new guys that has a motion offense. We light up the you know we light up the scoreboard with threes, and then we win that way. And then we have a big man who we can center this whole thing around. And then hopefully we get a guard forward that can actually be a reliable number two, and not somebody that passes up shots and puts up tour dates as uh, field goal percentages. Like I'm I'm done with that. All right, all right. You you just gave me like seventeen times. Wait, this might be a seven hour yeah, podcast. He gave us. Run, he gave run. us so much. Where yeah. do you start? Oh, yeah. Let, 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 let's just let's I'm have sick. the Embiid conversation right now. Yeah. Let's have the Embiid conversation uh, right now because I kind of go. I'm with you. I don't think trading jo- Joel Embiid that's not the answer when you have a player who just won the MVP and has been like you said one of the best five players uh, in the league. You keep yeah. him and you take your best shot. It might not uh, work, but you figure it out. At the same time, 
I think criticism of Joel Embiid is more than fair. I mean, I don't know why I compare so everything to like the Donovan yeah. McNabb years, and I'm just yep. like, man, these guys now, I wish they could see how McNabb got it, like in the, you know, when it was it's, the best run in franchise history, and the guy's just getting crushed every year. I mean, listen, it's been it's been six full seasons now with mm-hmm. Joel Embiid. You guys know NBA history. How six full seasons and, and the bar, we're not saying you have to win the championship. They can't get out of the second round in six full seasons with this guy? Like, I'm sorry, you're open to get criticized there. He's had bad luck, there's no doubt about it. Every playoffs, he's injured, he's dealing with something. I understand that's part of it, but at the same time, the guy had, what, 33 points in game four? Like, like he wasn't so injured that he was incapable of rising to the level that we were accustomed to. And then in game seven, you're going five for 18 with 15 points and four turnovers. I'm sorry. Like, you, you, you're going to get crushed for that. You deserve to get crushed for that. It doesn't mean you suck. It doesn't mean nothing else you did matters. It doesn't mean we want you traded. But at the same time, like, it's been six years. It's been three head coaches. It's been four GMs. At some point, the guy who you're building the franchise around, it's not like he needs more help. It's like the guy has to elevate other people. You're not going, this isn't Barkley having to go through MJ. This isn't James Harden having to go through those Warriors teams. This is the freaking Miami Heat and, and Trey Young and the Hawks you can't get by and this Celtics team that was dying to quit that was down 3-2. So that's where I get like annoyed on both sides. I, I'm with you, Cliff. I get annoyed by the, you can't win, you know, trade him. It's over. I, I'm with you on that. But I'm also kind of sick of like the just sucking up. Like this guy is like, if you're the star, you are responsible and you deserve criticism. All right, Raheem. I got fired up here. Here's the bottom line. Joel Embiid was the MVP. He averaged 33.1 points per game in the regular season. You know what he averaged in the postseason? 23.7 points. That drop-off of minus 9.4 is the largest in the history of the game for the league's MVP. Wow. I did not know know that stat. Holy cow. (laughs) Now, we know James Harden and Joel Embiid, they rely a ton on free throws. And when... The postseason starts, that whistle dries up, and you see a drop-off. But the drop-off is just so bad, and it's getting to a point to where people feel like they can't rely on this guy when it matters. You want your star to be able to elevate the team. We know he's had some injuries. We know he's had some bad luck, but that's become a part of his legacy. Look at Joel Embiid in elimination games. He has a 3-6 and six record. He's averaging 22 points a game, 11 rebounds, and he's averaging almost five turnovers a game. Mm. So what you're seeing from Joel Embiid is a guy who can score, he can rebound. And mind you, in game seven, how many rebounds did he have in the first half? He had one rebound. He had one rebound in the first half of game seven. So you're looking at a guy who can score, but he struggles to create plays for others. He's not Jokic. He's not even Shaq in that regard. Shaq, the one thing about Shaq is Shaq could pass. Joel Embiid is struggling to pass. So, you know, they told us that we had to wait, the process. We gave up five years of our lives. We all saw how people had to give up years of their lives during the pandemic. And, you know, a lot of people lost their lives during the pandemic. Five years is a long time to say, look, we're not going to win. And this is what we're getting back. And it's very frustrating for people. So I can understand why people say, you know what? Let's blow it up. Now, realistically, we can't blow it up. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, we can't blow it up. You got a top five player in Joel Embiid, and in addition, when you look at what's happening around the league, look at what's happening around the league. You got new salary cap rules, so you're gonna see a lot of play, player movement. You know that situation with the Bucks. That's on thin ice. Chris Middleton is a free agent. You got Drew Holiday talking about he's retiring after this after the, after his contract. You got Brooke Lopez who's a free agent. You fire Mike Budenholzer. That situation's on thin ice. You know Giannis could be moving soon. You got the new collective bargaining agreement where teams are going to be penalized a lot more. You got the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown. He just he he's eligible for the Supermax because he's all NBA. So you're going to see a lot of player movement because some of these teams are not going to just be able to afford some of these guys. So if there's one guy who I trust to be able to wait out a situation, it's Daryl Morey and be able to make a move to get somebody in here to help out Joel Embiid, it's Daryl Morey. So I think we have to kind of just hold the fort down, you know, put our anger to the side. Cliff, I know you're mad, but put, <laughs> yes. put our anger to the side. Reckon. Yeah, recognize that we got a top five player. Recognize that it's year two under Daryl Morey to make a move. Now, the Harden situation is complicated. I don't want to shit on Daryl, but sometimes it feels like he can be a one-trick pony because he found Daryl. He found James Harden. I don't want him to be married to the idea that Harden is the only way he can win. But I do trust him to be able to figure something out and put somebody around Joel Embiid. I do. Now, Brahim, it's interesting that you brought up the Harden theme because he has the player option. And I just want to ask both of y'all, with the player option, you said he would leave, you know, and you don't get an asset in return. So basically you lose James Harden, you lose Ben Simmons, and you get nothing out of it, right? But then it's like, all right, that's a hell of a lot of cat space. You still got Toby who's set to make 39 on his final year, which is a very tradable contract, by the way. Like, how do you retool from there if Harden doesn't come back? Because that's very much a that's very much on the table, too, like – I don't think Doc being fired means Harden is staying. You know what I mean? I feel like he's just going to weigh his options, wait to see what happens with a coach, or see what Daryl can do to make moves this offseason. And I think Tobias, more than likely, is the first guy to go out of this whole equation. Like, I don't think – I think Tobias is more likely to leave before Harden, right? Yeah, I mean, when Raheem was talking, I was uh, – you know, he was talking about Maury. It's like, this is why Maury gets paid. Listen, this is why you're going to get the accolades. Is to, no one's saying it's easy. There's not an easy plan B to go to. Figure it out. And so I'm with you, Cliff. Like, I don't need to see Harden back on the Sixers. All rumors since Christmas that he's going to Houston. Go ahead. Uh, we'll drive you uh, to the airport. I don't know if they let me in there where the private jets go, but we'll find a way to get in there and uh, get you down there in Houston, James Harden. Because it's just, I can't, I can't talk, will not be able to talk myself into 34-year-old year James Harden in a big spot uh, in the playoffs when you need him coming through. Listen, he put, to be fair, he put the team on his back in two games in this series. I mean, if he didn't do that, this might have been a sweep. This might have been five games. So he did do that. But to expect him to be able to get to that level more often as he gets older, I don't see it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Is the best option, Raheem, to say, all right, let if Harden walks, Harden walks. Uh, you hire the coach you want, Daryl Morey. You got Embiid, Tyrese, Maxey, and whoever else. And then figure out how to complement that group and turn yourself into a contender. I mean, if you have Embiid, Maxey, and kind of the other guys they have on the roster – it's not like you're going to suck next year. I mean, what? how many games do you think that team would win? They they could potentially win 50. I mean, you're winning between 45 and 50 games still, right? Am I, am I is that too uh, positive or, or do you think that's I mean, realistic? They, 
They damn near did it. I do think it's realistic. Yeah, like I think it's realistic, but I think Maury has to have a plan and he has to act soon because we all know that the the clock is not only ticking on Joel Embiid's career in terms of you know we know he's an injury prone guy, but the clock is ticking on keeping Joel Embiid happy because if you don't put somebody around him quickly. This is going to be the next guy who's going to be unhappy and who's going to be asking out. And we all know that he's friends with Jimmy Butler. We all know that, you know, he he probably wanted Jimmy Butler to stay. And they chose Tobias Harris over him. Or rather, they didn't choose Tobias Harris over him. They chose Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. So they have to figure something out because you don't want Joel Embiid asking for a trade. And then, you know, we're pretty much in the process again. So I think I agree with you guys. I don't want Harden back. I, I I really don't. I mean, and chill. I didn't tell you this, but Harden was in the club on Saturday and Sunday night, and I know this for a fact. <laughs> like I I worked in nightlife. I was a DJ <laughs> for about twenty years. Yo, how crazy is that? Harden was in. If he plays well, then I don't care about it. Like do do what you need to do. To, you know, like just, I'm not somebody. Man, yeah, but she'll talk about what, at what point you got some pride in yourself where you like, yo, I just we just got 50 pieced by Jason Tatum in game seven and we just lost by like 80 points. So let me take the charter back to Philly and then hop in the clubs all week. Like at some point, isn't it like, yo, bro, let me just chill in the chill in the crib, you know, maybe have some people come through, come hang out with me, drink some of my wine, relax. But it's just like, damn, like that's some different level of I don't give a fuck. Like that's oh that's so God. crazy to me. That's that, so that, crazy. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, he still has, you know, what what is he getting from Adidas? I was gonna <laughs> he say gotta be getting like he getting two hundred something million. Yeah, and his, I mean, he's getting paid off an of NBA. He got endorsements, so it's just like, you know, Demar Derozan said something interesting today. You know, they asked him about, you know, I think LeBron James has said that Bronny is a, a, better than a lot of these dudes in the NBA, and they asked him about it. And DeMar DeRozan said, look, I'm going to keep it real. A lot of these dudes don't love basketball. And I'm not saying Harden's that, because I think, you know, the one thing about Harden I'll say is that he's a very crafty player. Yeah, he comes player. back. Yeah. He comes back every year with something new in his game. So I do think he works on his game, but there is a level of ape apathy that i just don't like when it comes to his game and you you saw it in game seven yeah i mean honestly sometimes i take a step back and i'm like he might be in like a good like mental health space where he's like i'm living a great life like all right we played we lost it's all good i make a lot of money i enjoy my life i'm gonna go i know that sounds wild like i'm looking at cliff shaking his head but honestly i bet if i don't know if you talk to like a psychologist they might be like good like that you know if that's what you need to do to get get through (laughs) it it might be healthy but philadelphia as a blue collar city we don't like that we we don't want to we don't want to like look just optically like you know stephen a smith he said look james harden should cut his beer off just because it's just like yo you should be in like you don't want to be seen in this city like optically it just looks bad like how are you going to like not give your like look if you if you like to me if James Hart went out there and went honestly if he went out there and went 8 for 30 and just emptied the clip and it just ain't it just you yeah. know, it just ain't go down you can live with cool. that yeah you can live cuz we know Allen Iverson like Allen Iverson partied the same way but yeah. we know he gave his all 
we don't feel that way with James Harden. Yeah, you're right. It's the way he's going to opt back in. That's the worst part. He's about to opt back in and come back next year. He's not opting back in. Under no circumstances is James Harden opting in. Okay, so he's looking for his last NBA. He's looking for his last NBA contract. His last NBA deal. So I'd I'd be curious on the open market to see if somebody offers him more than thirty six million dollars. I I just mean that Rockets thing has just been floating around for so long. It's got to have legs. Well, we'll see. Uh, Raheem, you mentioned about Embiid. That's like if you're a Sixers fan, and especially if you love Embiid, that's the big fear is that he's just like. This isn't it. I've given them time. You know, he's not probably going to look in. He's not going to look in the mirror and say it's my fault. He's going to look around. And to be fair, there it hasn't been uh, perfectly constructed around him by any means. And so, will there come a point where he says, "All right, I want out"? But not only that, I was looking this up earlier today. Do you know Joel Embiid turns thirty years old in March? Thirty years old. That's crazy. I mean, if you look at the history of big men in the NBA, and this is literally what I was doing before we recorded the podcast. Akeem, Shaq, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Tim Duncan. Your peak as a big man in the NBA is basically over at 34 years old. And that's like best case scenario. I mean, you have guys like Alonzo, Yao Ming, where something comes up and you're done way before that. So 34, he's 30. And, you know, I'm not saying your career's over, like you still play more years, but you're not this version of Joel Embiid. So you have like four to five years here. That's why... Like, that struck me that this hire at coach, like, this is pretty much it. I mean, if this, if whoever they hire, you know, you figure the guy's going to get three years, and if you're still not getting out of the second round uh, after three years, by that point, it's like it feels guaranteed that Embiid's going to be like, I need somewhere else to get a year or two uh, and actually have a shot for changing what's written by my name, uh, you know, in terms of my legacy. So, like, there's so much riding on the line here, and I know – Cliff, you were saying that you think it's going to be like if, if the plan is get D'Antoni, bring Harden back because D'Antoni can get more out of Harden. I mean, man, that is, that's not going to be good enough for me. I don't think it. that's going <laughs> to work out well. But we always talk about the clock is ticking. And then when I'm going, he's th- this time next year in the playoffs, you have a 30 year old Joel Embiid. It feels like this, like his era kind of just started. No, he, he's 30. And so the clock is ticking. There's so much riding on this hire right now, uh, whoever they pick for the next head coach. Do I have one final rant I'm going to need to get to of just stuff I'm sick with about the Sixers, but I don't have any other uh, big, big topics. Cliff, did you have anything else you needed to uh, to get off your chest here before we wrap up? I, I just want the people of Philadelphia to know, like, just relax. Like, we, you should not trade a top five player. That's not NBA. happening. Like, I, <laughs> now it, not only is that not happening, I just think it's just, just patently absurd. I get it. He left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I get the history is there. The Toronto series, the 2018 series against the Celtics, like, the bubble. Like, there, there's a long history of things just being bad for Joel Embiid. But please, we can weather this storm with him. I promise you, if you just get – Somehow, like like Raheem said, there's going to be a lot of player movement coming up here in the next you know couple years. If you somehow get a guard forward that you can rely on that can come in here and take some of that pressure off of him, a la Jamal Murray with Jokic, and even though Jokic has been going crazy the whole playoffs, but just somebody like that to where Joel Embiid's usage rate can go down a little bit, and you can rely on a guard or somebody that can actually get you a bucket and not pass the ball when he's at the you know when he's pretty much at the cup then you could actually win the damn series. Like, we just haven't had that. James Harden and Ben Simmons are, like, two of the most 
problematic players that I've ever seen in the freaking NBA. And for somehow they ended up on our roster at some of the worst <laughs> times. Like if we had James in 2018, bro, we probably we might be. I, I'm going to be honest with you. If we had James in 2018, I'm not sure we get a different result. You don't think so? I, I'm really because let's let's really think about it. The games that we won were all close games. The games that they won were blowouts. Yeah. Even prime James Hart. And I mean, peak James Hart at the peak of his powers, he was getting his wig pushed back by Jonathan Simmons and a young DeJounte Murray. <laughs> you know what? Like, this right. is who he is in the He's this right. is who he is in the postseason. And it's just like as much as I loved James Harden, and I, I've like I've I've been the crazy. I've been the one crazy enough to say he's better than Kevin Durant, who I'm not really. Which a is fan. crazy. Which is crazy, um, by the way. But yeah, that, that's a wild take. Like, people hit me up about that. Yeah. That's a wild ass take. <laughs> I, I I still believe it. I'm I'm gonna go to my grave believing it. Um, <laughs> just because I just I value, in the, I value playmaking, in today's modern NBA. Um, granted, you know, heart. I mean, Durant's a much better playoff player. But if I'm, you know, regular season. Roll the, roll the ball out there with five guys, James Harden's probably going to have a better record than Kevin Durant. Is, but it's, it's two different – like playoff yeah. basketball in regular season, it's two different things. But yeah. I, I'm not sure that we get a different result. And I, I think the thing was – I think we got to have some perspective. Because coming into this series, how many of us thought that we were really going to beat the Boston Celtics? Right. That's true. That's why if and I'm we Doc's agent, and- that's what I'm floating out to everybody. I'm going to be like, all right, like, what were the odds? Just send them the odds. What were the odds at the beginning of this series, Raheem? I mean, they were big underdogs, right? Yeah, and we went out there, and we were five minutes away from winning this series at home. Yeah. We, we had the ball up to 83-81 with the ball for the clear path foul. And if our offense does what it does the entire game or the entire year, we're moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals and we're hosting Miami tomorrow night. But so it's just like you can say that we did better than expect. So I think that's the positive thing. Can I give I you a wild story about that? I think what Go sucks ahead. about that though is like we, we tasted the victory yeah. in game six. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, they were there. It was there for it was, them. It was there for the taking, and that's why this hurts even more. It's yeah. not like yeah. I get it. Like overall, Sixers were dogs going into the series, they should have lost. Uh, like me and Chill, we even had a pod discussing. I was like, "Bro, I don't even know where the, the victory comes from," and yet it was sitting, it was on their lap, and they lost it. And that's why this hurts even more. It was there, and then it snowballed into Game Seven to where, all right, first half you look good, you look decent. Well, you don't even look good. You're still in the game though, first half, and then you just, I, I, I mean, twenty five to three run is just unforgivable. That's pro- honestly that third quarter is why Doc Rivers probably got fired. If we're being honest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. It, the narrative would be totally if they were down three one, won a game, and then lost four two. I think it would have been like, well, what do you expect? The other team was better. What are you going to do? It's the fact of how the series went and where you were in Game Six at home with the chance to win the game, and the way you finish that game, and then the way you play in Game Seven. It's totally different. Let me give you this wild stat here: Sixers played 93 games this season. I was looking at cleaningtheglass.com. Game six and seven out of 93 ranked 92nd and 91st in offensive rating out of all the games they played this entire season. Literally that's saving a- the worst for last. I know part of that's wow. the Celtics defense. I get it. But are you serious? Two of your three worst games happened in closeout games where you could be advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since AI. 
the Celtics ain't make that big of an adjustment for you no. to be that bad. No, <laughs> like, yeah, if it was that, wow. if it was like sixty five or something, fine. Yeah, well, that right, is crazy. You credit, but no, this this was horrible. So, all right, I'll I'll end it with this. This is gonna be a little unhinged and irrational, but that's how everyone probably feels now. So maybe I'll regret some of this later. I just made a list of stuff I'm sick of with the Sixers team because I used to love this Sixers team. I mean, that 2001, 2001 Sixers team is my favorite team any of all time rooting for. Uh, more, most fun I've ever had. So I'm sick of the process truthers. I'm sick of the hinky worshipers who treat fandom like it's a cult now with this team. I'm sick of James Harden's attempts to draw a foul when there's no foul coming. And dude, what are you doing? Just shoot the floater. I'm sick of it never being Joel Embiid's fault, anything. I'm sick of having to act like it actually matters who coaches this team. I'm sick of the media kissing Daryl Morey's behind at every opportunity. I'm sick of the loud cheers for free chicken being the highlight of some of these games. Oh my God. I'm sick of the delusional fans falling in love with guys like Matisse Thibel and Jaden Springer thinking that's what's going to make the difference with this team. I'm sick of it all. I miss the 2000, 2001 Sixers. They played hard. They entertained me. They were imperfect, but everyone knew their role. They were exciting. They weren't going to cheat me during those two and a half hours. I was going to be happy most times at the end of those games. They didn't win at all. They don't have a ring. They don't have a banner. Guess what? It's okay. I can be proud of that team. I can get warm feelings when I think of AI and George Lynch and Aaron McKee. They brought me joy. I don't care if the Sixers never win a title ever again in my lifetime. I want a team I feel good rooting for and not just one that annoys the hell out of me. So listen, people are going to have a lot of issues with that, but I needed to get that off my chest in a safe space with you guys. Cliff, (laughs) you ever see 25th Hour? No, it's 25th Hour. I I, I never seen it. Uh. It's a Spike Lee movie. Um, Ed Norton? Where it's like, was that um, him? you never no. see 25 Hours? No, chill? was it Ed Norton? Is that the one? No. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. That, yeah, I've seen that, it. that rant was very <laughs> Ed Norton. Like when he was in the mirror saying F everybody. Matter of fact, go on, go on YouTube and look up Ed Norton's F you rant. Oh That's God. what Shield just did <laughs> right. to the Sixers just now. Sorry. <laughs> Had to do it. I know many of you listening are probably like, I do not agree with all that. Probably the chicken take was the most controversial, but I said, you know what? If I'm going in, I'm going in on everyone. All right. That felt good. That felt therapeutic. We got our takes out there. Uh, last question. Cliff, coach, who do you think it's going to be? When we come back on here and are talking about the Sixers, make a prediction. Who's their next head coach? If I had to make a prediction right now. Yeah. Um, I feel like it'd be Nick Nurse. Nurse, if I had to okay. make a prediction right now, I think it'd be Raheem. Nick who do you got? If, who's the favorite? If Harden comes back, it's Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I hate to say it. If it's Harden, it, it's D'Antoni. If it's not, then it's probably Nick Nurse. Um, you know, like I'm starting to put my finger on why Cliff is so sad and so angry. What do you because got? I think we all finish with it. this. Yeah, what do you got? And, and like it, it, it kind of has to be said. I think Cliff feels, and I think a lot of people feel this, that the Sixers window was over. Because if you look at the, the assets that we squandered, you look at the fact that we drafted Okafor, you look at the fact that we drafted Faults over Tatum, you look at the fact that we traded for Jimmy Butler. I mean, that year with Elton Brand. At, at the helm, we traded for Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler and effectively ended the process error. And we let Jimmy Butler walk. And 
The Miami Heat have made the Eastern Conference Finals three times. We haven't made it past the second round. And then you look at what happened with Ben and you see what's going on with Hart. It feels like we don't have that much of a room to improve. And it feels like we're nearing the end of the process. And I think that's where the pain comes from. Because I felt it. Like on Sunday, it was just like almost like a I'm done feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was the prevailing <laughs> feeling for fans. No doubt. I mean, I'm on multiple threads where people are like, I'm done with this team. Like next year, like you're going to watch. Everyone knows you're going to watch but you're not going to get suckered in. You're not going to, because this year felt different. And so if this year where it felt different, they're still out in the second round, then how are you going to get back there? And you're right. I mean, there's only so many, everyone makes mistakes. Every organization makes mistakes where you look back and say, they drafted this guy over this guy, but how many do you get when you have a player in his prime? And how many do you get where you mentioned it? Fultz, uh, Simmons, no Mikhail Bridges. Grading, I mean, there is a long, long list where it's like, if just yeah. one of those went differently, you know, there's a CVS length long receipt of just mistakes. Yeah, like it's crazy, it's yeah. wild. I've and never they're, seen and they're anything all, like that. They're all like glaringly bad too. It's yeah. not like a little one yeah. here, a little one. Like yeah. it's just, there's massive, massive missteps in this whole entire process that has just done this process in. And you could have actually had a great roster as you just drafted maybe one or two people just correctly. One. You didn't have to hit all yeah. of them. Yeah. One, just one. Just one. And you Two, know that, who that, knows? I mean, but sure, one, that yeah. one person literally just dropped 50 on us. Yeah, like, that's, that's right. the craziest yeah. thing about it. You know, like, even if we don't get Tatum, if we just don't trade, like, Mikel Bridges, his yeah. mother worked for the Sixers. Oh, that like, one if I'll we don't never do get that, over. We're in a totally different position. Like, Mikel Bridges just got traded for Kevin Durant. And went to Brooklyn and got infinitely better. Like, he yeah. literally got traded, and one week later, you saw an improvement in his game. Like, whether yeah, it was already him. there yeah. or just wasn't being shown. By the way, that's another indictment on Monty Williams. You had Mikel Bridges playing like that. You could have had him playing like that in Phoenix, and he goes <laughs> yeah. to Brooklyn, and he started torching it. Like, oh, nah, bro. Monty, yeah, that's, cool. that, that is Monty crazy. just catches yeah, one really in the last five that minutes. Cr- Monty so you mean to tell me Shock Vaughn in one week got Mikel Bridges to be damn near an all-star caliber player, and Monty Williams couldn't do that in four damn years? Yeah. Come, come on, bro. And then I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like how Monty Williams handled the DeAndre Ayton situation. Yeah. I, I you can't be DeAndre, arguing knew, with players. You can't be arguing with players. My whole thing is, I know DeAndre Ayton looks weak, but they had issues last year in Game 7, and it felt like that festered over to this year. They didn't talk all summer. There was no said. trust between those two guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's the coach's chip. That's what you're getting paid for. Like, he's the young player. You're the grown-up. Like, this is supposed to be your job, foster that relationship, get the best version uh, of him. So, all right, you guys gave your picks. I'm going to lean, I don't know, my gut sort of says that Maury, knowing his history, like he likes to go back to things that he's going to say. Yeah. He, he might be easily able to talk himself into, if Embiid were healthy, we're beating the Celtics and we're in the conference finals. I'm bringing Harden back. Uh, we're bringing D'Antoni in because we know him and Harden mesh together and we're going to take a run at it for the next three years. I don't want that to happen. Talking to you guys made it clarified it in my head. I want new blood. I don't care if it's someone I've never even heard of before. Actually, I might even prefer that over retreads who are just like, like Raheem said, musical chairs, because I don't believe that that's going to make a difference. Take a swing. Maybe it bombs and may, or maybe you uh, hit on someone and it works out well. We'll see what happens. All right. 
We'll have it all covered on the Ringers Philly special. This was fun. I feel like I had a lot of Sixers thoughts in my head since that loss that I haven't really been able to share. And uh, we were all able to share them here. So thanks to Raheem. Thanks to Cliff. Thanks to everyone for listening. We will have uh, an Eagles episode with me and Ben Solak later this week. And of course, as there are developments in this head coaching search, we'll be back on to talk Sixers. And then we'll make some Phillies in there, obviously, in the weeks ahead. All right. Thanks to Cliff. Thanks to Raheem. I'm Shil Kapati. We'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Thanks.